0: Welcome to the West Side Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in.
1: We are in a series, or finishing a series today, um, called God's Work Within Us. We've been exploring... Um, really a famous and popular prayer from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3. And really the heartbeat of the last few weeks, it, well, last, okay, yeah, last week's guest, Brett, really fit in, I think, to what we've been talking about, especially from the prior week, about emptying ourselves, making space for God to work. And the heart of what we've been talking about of this prayer is making room for renewal in our hearts, a renewal that comes from the Lord. And we've been working through it backwards. And as we've noticed like working through the prayer backwards, we'd notice that renewal looks like at least three things. We can expand it more and you can go back and listen to the podcast if you missed it. Renewal looks like impact, that's how Paul ends the prayer, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Renewal looks like intimacy, that we would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Renewal looks like inner strength, that we would be uh, filled with the indwelling presence of jesus and the power of the spirit and today as we wrap up the series as we start as we kind of come to the start of this prayer and then look at the whole thing we want to ask the questions, well, what are steps to this renewal? How do we pray for this? What are some ways that we can lean in? Are there some factors here? And as you think about that, I wanted to just tell you a story. My, my neighbor stopped me in front of my house the other week. He was driving by, and he stopped me, and he says, Dave, do you have this, this tool that you use to aerate your lawn? And I said, yeah, I do. And there's a picture of aerating lawn, but that's a really big, big tool that you'll see on the screen. But um, he's like, Dave, can I borrow this from your back from your caban and I'm like, yeah, anytime it's there. And do you guys know what aerating a lawn is, right? Putting holes all over the lawn so that the, you, you kind of like let the air get in, the water get in, the nourishment get in. And so Rob said, can I borrow this tool? And I said, yeah, Rob, you can borrow this tool. And what he wants to do is sometime in October, he wants to use this tool. And this is awesome because you get a workout at the same time because I'm not going to press it into the stage otherwise I'm going to like crack this thing. But you're walking all over your lawn. It looks a little funny when neighbors are looking at you, but you get a great workout. And by the end of it, there's holes all over your lawn. And what you've done is you, you've aerated your lawn because the, the purpose of that is, and what, what my neighbor Rob wants to do, he wants to seed his lawn after that So all the seeds fall over the place and fall into the holes and then get dormant for the winter, not grow just yet, and then in the spring, boom, they germinate, they grow, and there's new grass in between the old grass. And I want you to think about that image of aerating our lives, in a sense, making room. Uh, Some of the things that we need to do, some key factors that are so important, like there's this key factor for making a lawn grow, there's these key factors for making space for renewal. And uh, we're going to explore them. But first, we're going to read this prayer one more time together, all right? Ephesians 3, verse 14. Follow with me on the screen or listen intently. Sometimes a great way to lean in is just to close your eyes and listen to the prayer. But I'm going to read it with us. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. And I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And everyone says? Yes. I love that. This prayer ends that way. So I want to just highlight four postures in this prayer and call us to some kind of a greater commitment. I'm calling myself in this, uh, you as individuals, us as a church, to a greater commitment to what prayer and renewal looks like. As N.T. Wright comments on this passage, I love how he talks about prayer here. He says this, "'Prayer brings together love and power, "'the relation of love that grows up between God and the person who prays, "'and the flowing power of God uh, from God to and especially through that person.'" That's the heartbeat of this. And here's the first highlight, the first factor, the first um, posture, and it's the posture of surrender. It's the posture of surrender we notice in this prayer. Verse 14, Paul starts this prayer. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. This is a personal posture that Paul is taking. In the original language, in the Greek, it literally reads, I bend the knees of me, or I bend my knees. Now, sometimes in sports, we've seen people bow one knee, right, in protest. This is two knees, two knees, a posture of surrender. And he says, I bow my knees before the Father. This posture of humility, reverence surrender, loyalty, allegiance, dependence. And Paul's no longer thinking, oh, maybe I need to be in allegiance with Rome, or maybe I need to be in allegiance with my religious friends. No, he is now saying, I'm kneeling both my knees down this posture of surrender before God the Father. And he's already been growing to understand who God is in greater ways. He starts off the book of Ephesians. I love the way he just starts it off. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's an echo back to how he starts this letter to this church. There's an echo back to the Lord's Prayer. Now, Paul doesn't reference the Lord's Prayer, but as a New Testament church, they would have recited the Lord's Prayer. They would have prayed this prayer in their gatherings. They would have taught one another how to pray, and the Lord's Prayer starts, our Father in heaven Your name be hallowed. That's the the translation I love. Your name be hallowed. Hallowed be your name. This is so essential if we want to go forward in renewal, to understand that God is the source of every spiritual blessing, the source of strength, the source of renewal, the source of transformation, the source of uh, new creation in your lives. And everything Paul prays next in this prayer that we've been working through the last month, everything he prays, is dependent on his surrender to God. He starts off this way. Paul doesn't believe any of what's happened in the Ephesian church already, because he said, hey, I love your faith and love. And he doesn't believe that anything that will happen in the Ephesian church is separate from a deep, radical surrender to God. He knows that it can't happen unless, in his prayer, in his posture towards the Lord, he is just bringing everything before him, bowing before him. That's the first posture in this prayer the first key factor for renewal. And the second one is one that we sometimes completely ignore or don't think about, and it's the idea of unity. Paul prays as he starts his prayer off, right? He says, you know, I, pray be, I bow before the Father, and then he continues in the next verse, from whom every family on earth takes its name. He looks to God the Father. He recognizes from whom every family on earth takes his name. He recognizes that every person he locks eyes with matters to God, that every person he locks eyes with, not just Christian, that every person in the Roman Empire, that every person in the Jewish and Greek and Gentile world is loved by God, that every human is connected because God is their father. That's so important. That posture is important if we long to be an impact to the world around us, because if we don't believe that, if we don't see that, then we've already started on the wrong foot. We've already started with division. And he believes, I would say as he's writing this, that no one in our sight is not on God's radar Your neighbors are on God's radar. Your co-workers are on God's radar. Your kids are on God's radar. Your family members, even the distant ones, even the ones you don't like, they're on God's radar. That's the human connection we have. And Paul leans into this. And it seems as though the gospel has made this even more clear for Paul. You don't have to be a Christian to kind of understand that we're connected as as humans. But the gospel actually reinforces this, because when you come to discover that God is our heavenly Father and our Creator, and everything comes from Him, automatically you see people differently. So the gospel has made this clear to Paul. I think Paul would have stayed divided from the non-Jews and others if the gospel wouldn't have brought him near to them as he got near to God through Jesus. And that's a natural fruit of the gospel. If we are truly getting near to God through Jesus, we should be getting near to others or at least recognizing the obstacles between us and others and recognizing our human connection. But it goes deeper than that. So when Paul echoes this from chapter 1, verse 3, right, who else is God the father of? You remember what he said? Who else is God the father of? Jesus. Jesus is Jesus also sees God as his father. God is also the father of Jesus. And you take that that beautiful truth, and then a couple of verses later in Ephesians 1 verse 5, he says that we, the church, have been destined for adoption as children of God through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of God's will. Think about that for a second. God is also Jesus' father, and now we as the church, those who come into relationship with Jesus Christ, those who have responded to the gospel, are destined for adoption into God's family, or as his children, through Jesus Christ. And then there, what happens is a reconciling that takes place between Jew and Greek that happens, starts to happen in the, in the church. And then I love it. In Ephesians 3, we prayed this a couple of weeks ago, right? That we would know the love of Christ, but he says he prays this for all the saints, with all the saints, with every Christ follower, we would know this love. So we share God as Father. God, the Father has destined us to be his children in Christ, and the social and racial statuses that exist in society are dropped and broken down in the church as we're reconciled. This paves the way to unity. Here's, Gordon Fee says this about this text. It's a little longer, but listen to this. It is no good for Jew and Gentile together to have access to God and for them in turn to be his family and to be built together into the temple of God's present habitation if they do not have the same kind of love for one another that God had for them both as demonstrated through the death of Jesus Christ. It's like, it, what's the point of us, all different people having access to God and being part of his family and being built together as his temple if we don't have the same love for one another as God has for us demonstrated in Jesus? So here's, here's the beauty here in, in this little line in Paul's prayer and the, the work of the gospel, and I put this on the screen for us. We move from a shared humanity to a shared family. We move from a shared humanity as individuals to a shared family as Christ followers. And that calls us to unity. That means that we must pursue unity. That's the posture of unity here. And it's not surprising that when Paul, after this prayer, what's, what, is it, what does he write to the Ephesian church? He says, make every effort, in chapter 4 he says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Do everything you possibly can to nurture and keep this unity that the Spirit has birthed and brought together in the bond of peace, in the peace of the gospel. And I, I have this sense that we will never be able to make room for renewal, the renewal of the Spirit in us and in our church, if we disregard the fruit of unity that the gospel produces. I, I mean, I think it's impossible. Here I am praying, Lord, renew us, God, do something good in us, God, you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, but then Simon comes and he wants to, like, and I'm like, Simon, you're a jerk, you're an idiot, we're separated, you're this, it's like, why? I love you, Simon, but, <laughs> but why, why would God care to respond to my prayer if I'm intentionally ununited, disunited with, with Simon, who's also part of the family of God? Why? So I, I have a sense that we'll never make, be able to make full room for renewal if we disregard the fruit of unity the gospel produces. There's been a cohort in our church the last year called Following King Jesus. We've been working through a book, and uh, the, the remaining last eight remnant of the first 16 that started with us back in, uh, in January. But it's not bad. 50% is okay, you know? I understand what Jesus feels like, you know, when things start big and then they go small, right? But but it was okay, it was great. We were just having, having a great conversation the other day uh, in one of our groups, and it was all around the table, communion, which we're celebrating today. And we were reading again with fresh eyes what it might look like for the first church to be together in unity with, you know, Jew and Greek and slave and free and male and female and rich and poor. And then we read the passage in Corinthians where Paul teaches the Corinthian church, you know, the reminder of working through communion and says these words. He says, be careful, you know, be careful not to take the bread and wine in an unworthy manner. And we asked around, like, what, what did that mean growing up? What did that mean in your experience of the church? And the first one was like, well, it meant sin or you're not following the Lord or something. But when we read the text fully, it could mean those things. And it's very likely that we, I would say, let's, let's not... Uh, be in habitual sin as we're taking communion. That's not a good thing, but that maybe pauses us to reflect. But the main thing Paul's talking about, we recognize, is division. When, if we take the bread and wine when we're intentionally divided with a brother or sister, that's the unworthy manner. Because Paul's saying, like, how do you take the bread and wine if you're disunited, if you're not united? It doesn't make sense. This binds us, and you're not binding with that person. And I believe we're called to a greater unity if we want to make room for renewal in our hearts and renewal in our church. And here's the, 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 third, the third element, and it's the element of intercession in this prayer. And I, I use the word intercession instead of just the word prayer But it's important, and I'll say why in a second. Because here, the overflow of surrender and unity is actually prayer. Paul, twice, as he's writing this, he literally says, I pray that your inner being would be strengthened. I pray that you would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. I pray. And so as he's he's writing this, as he's praying this, he's literally letting us know he is intentionally asking God for something. It's not just a symbolic prayer. It's not just a prayer of thanksgiving, which is important. It's not a prayer that's limited to gratitude before a meal or a blessing over event. This is Paul interceding for the church. He's interceding for what God can do in this church. Paul, I love the word, Paul's contending for something. He's contending for inner strength, for for strength in our inner beings. He's contending for us to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. He's contending that we would give our lives fully to Him and that the Spirit would work in us. For Paul, it's like something's at stake. He's not just praying, like something is in the balance as he prays. The impact, the intimacy, the, inner, the strength of the inner being of the church is at stake. And Paul, as he prays, I think it's a, a desperate call for God to do so much more so the fullness of the gospel and the fullness of the Spirit would be experienced by this church and by us. And Paul's not... See, Paul's not betting on a greater fruit of the gospel and work of the Spirit with more potlucks and programs. Now, don't get me wrong, we're going to do a potluck later this season, and it's going to be good. We're going to connect, and it's important. We do have you know, Kids Quest as much as it's ministry. It's also programmatic because we need, it needs people and supplies and resources and training. So programs and potlucks are important, but, but Paul is not betting on the greater good of the work of the gospel and the work of the Spirit on potlucks and programs. He's saying, Lord, I, we desperately need you to do something. Would you act? So things in this prayer, you know, like, like the petitioning, the contending, it's like, may you, gra- may you grant this, God, for us. Your power at work within us, fill us to your fullness. You can do more than we ask or imagine. These are phrases of contending before God, of interceding before God. God, you need to do this. You must act. We need you to work. We need you to break through these walls in us and between us and the world, and between us and each other. And so here's this call to the work of prayer. It's, it's literally called to the work of prayer. And I want us to grasp that this is an important word to use when we talk about prayer, because the work of prayer means the commitment to prayer, the, the, con- the, the consistent pattern of prayer, the The sacrifice to pray, the sacrifice for prayer, the the, the carving out time and space and emotional energy and, and physical energy to pray so that our prayer, the work of prayer becomes consistent and communal and committed. And so you as an individual and me as an individual and us as a church together, we grow in this. We're called to, to become intercessors. Now, I know some of you have the gift of intercession more than others, and I know some of you can pray for three, four hours, and some of you struggle to just, I'm going to get five minutes. I get it. There's some, a gift sometimes involved in that, but I think if we all dialed up one or two on the dial and we all paid attention to the work of prayer, something beautiful and significant would happen. And here's the last, the fourth one, and it's Worship. It's worship. And um, I think it's so important when we consider this, that worship is the water that prayer swims in. Worship is, is the soil that prayer grows in. Think about what Paul, how Paul bookends this prayer. Verse 1, I bow before who? The Father. Verse 20, to him who is able, Right? To him who is able, or then to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, Amen. Paul, like, bathes this prayer in worship. He starts and ends with worship. He starts and ends with an attention, like looking up to God the Father. He starts and ends with this sense of he longs God to, for God to get the glory. He longs for God to be worshipped. He knows that if he's going to grow in prayer and if this church is going to grow in prayer, it must be bathed in worship before the Father and the Father's name be hallowed, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And this is important. you notice how Paul puts them both together? To be... To him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus, that God's glory is found in Christ Jesus. But this is crazy. God's glory can be found in the church. That as we worship Him, as we come before Him. So here's my invitation to us. And for some it might feel radical. For some it might feel welcomed. For some, but I just I want to invite us to some kind to some greater commitment to prayer, greater commitment to to intercession, greater commitment to these four postures we read in this prayer. And here's my, my, my question, my wonder too, is like, will we make these postures and practices a priority in our life and in our church? Will we be able to make them a priority in our time, in our schedules? Each of us has this amazing opportunity to contribute to this. Each of us have an amazing co- opportunity to contribute to renewal through prayer and through these four postures, to show up, to initiate, to establish habits. We all have opportunity here. We all have opportunity in our schedules. We all have opportunity in our lives. We all have opportunity during our week. We have opportunity individually and as a church. And, and instead of listing a whole bunch of things, here's one thing, one ask I want to ask you guys, one ask, can we commit It's a big ask, though. Can we commit to building a prayer movement with these postures at the core? Can we commit to building a prayer movement with these postures at the core? Can we commit to saying, I don't want to just pray, but I want to surrender myself when I'm praying. I don't want to just say words. I don't want to just spend time thanking God for a meal. I don't want to just pray for things for me. I want to make sure that my prayer life and whatever I pray is founded on this act of surrender as part of our personal prayer times. So whenever you pray, whenever you come before the Lord daily, that you would start with this, this posture of surrender. That's one way that, that we're going to build a prayer movement. And then would we put unity on our radar for the life of our church? Would we put unity on, on your radar, on my radar? What does that mean? That means that when, when we have an issue with someone, will we allow the Spirit to like, prompt us to figure how to resolve that? When we struggle to love someone, will we start by saying, Lord, help me love that person, and then make some steps towards how that can happen? When someone has hurt us, can we confront them and, 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 I, and let them know? Because that's just going to grow. Or if we've hurt someone else, will we go reach out to them and say, I'm sorry? Will we, this is so important. Here's, if we're putting unity on our radar, see, unity is the fruit of the gospel. I know sometimes people struggle and they say, I don't want to pursue unity and then let the gospel down here. But unity is the fruit of the gospel. And so that might mean that we keep the main things, the main things. But some of us make the minor things, the main things. And when we make minor things, major things, well, that's really not great for unity. And when we make kind of like some, some practices we, and we turn them into dogma or doctrine, but that practice is not a doctrine, it's a practice. So let's, let's figure out where they land on the priority ladder and be united around the gospel and pursue unity together as a church. Let's put unity on our radar. Let's intercede for what Paul is praying for in Ephesians 3. What does that mean? That means we literally, this is the best thing. Sometimes you, some people ask me, how do I pray? What do I pray? I just say, pray the scriptures. Don't make up the prayer yourself. Take Ephesians 3, 4 to 16, and say, Lord, this fall, winter, and spring, I'm going to keep praying for other things. Don't worry. I'm sure you should and you, you will. But say, I'm going to pray the themes in this prayer i'm going to pray ephesians 3 verse 14 to 21 i'm going to pray this prayer or maybe themes in this prayer every day for this season so then you're praying for strength in your inner being for you in the church you're praying for a love that surpasses our knowledge so you can know that kind of love and be filled you're praying that god would do immeasurably more and you take and maybe it's a word in the prayer a phrase in the prayer a theme in the prayer uh, you know the whole prayer at once but you're saying you know this whole season this will be my main prayer among other prayers. I, I, I can imagine that God's going to do some wonderful things through that, amen? To intercede for what Paul is praying for here as the start. And you know what? When you do that, the Spirit will prompt you to intercede for other things, things you might have never imagined. Who knows? God's going to put a name on your heart. God's going to put a situation on your heart. God's going to put a country on your heart. God's going to put a social need in our community on your heart. God's going to put something for our church on your heart and you're going to start interceding. And then bathe it all in worship. If we're going to do this, let's bathe it all in worship. Sundays, groups, personal devotions, musical worship, verbal worship, quiet worship, silent worship, worship in the scriptures. Let's just bathe it all in worship. And this is my question again. Can we commit to building a prayer movement with these postures at the core? And I I think the one thing, if we tease it out, So we went from the big thing to the one ask and here's the one thing, if we just tease this out just for, what's a one step and here's my, here's my, the way I describe this last step. Can you and I set a time and a place to pray with the church, weekly or monthly? What would it take for us to set a time and a place to pray with the church, weekly or monthly? I don't just mean here on Sundays. Sundays is the I know many, well, let me just take this back. I know many of you put a lot of effort in getting here on Sundays. I talked to a few parents today how it was like, it was tough to get here, but we made it. I I get it. But in all the things that we do as a church, I think Sunday is the easiest one to get to. It's in our minds, it's in our schedules, it's in our calendars. We do it. One of the hardest things to get to, I tell you, we call a prayer meeting tonight, 1% of you are going to be here. It's just That's just the way unfortunately it works but I'm going to hear my challenge is set a time and a place to pray with the church weekly and monthly and I'm going to give you five options and they're going to be on the screen it's very easy so Tuesday morning I think they're going to be on the screen there we are Tuesday morning, I I'm, I'm, would like to pilot a 7 a.m. prayer time. I know I'm like starting with the hardest. What the heck is going on? This is crazy. But, but I, I'm going gonna, gonna to pilot this, and I'm committed to it. And it might evolve over time, time, place, you know, when it starts, and all that kind of stuff. But starting this Tuesday here in the building, from 7 a.m., it'll be open for prayer. Wednesday at 10.30, we already have Laura Hum, who hosts a prayer, prayer time on Zoom. And people can join that. So if you'd like to join that, talk to Laura. We'll point you to her. We'll get you her info. And you can join that on Zoom. Actually, both Wednesday prayer times are on Zoom. Wednesday at 10.30 a.m. hosted by Laura. Wednesday at 7 p.m. hosted by Joe Frizzle. He's on our leadership team. Every Wednesday, they're hosted on Zoom. You can join that. You don't have to leave your house. You don't have to drive. You you know, it's like, just click the link. You're there. See, we got hard to easy. That was, right? 7 a.m. here on the spot, Zoom on Wednesday. Anyways, I'm not asking you to go to all of them. I'm just saying, could you choose one? Maybe you want to go to more. Uh, Prayer 24-7 Canada is hosting a national Canadian prayer time They're doing it at noon Pacific time. I got excited, but then I read Pacific time, and I know that's three o'clock for us. Sorry about that. However, you know, remote work, different schedules, maybe this works for you. Friday, 3 p.m., that's also an online prayer time. And the beauty of that, if one or two people or three from our church join that, now you're going to be praying nationwide with people. And I think that'll influence us in a healthy way. And Sundays at 9 a.m. from 9 to 10, we want to open a space in our church. Maybe it's the, the prayer room, former nursery, future nursery that's on the side. Maybe somewhere else. Uh, and so, but Sundays, 9 a.m., we're going to pilot this, see who builds this and who's there. And of course, we're praying at Sunday at 10.30 a.m. But the first five are the ones I want to call you to. Can you set a time and a place? I don't know if these fit your schedule. Maybe you have to work something around it. Maybe we're going to have to evolve over time and figure it out. We're not saying it's perfect. We're saying we need to make one step forward, right? And say so let's see what happens. And then adjust as we go along. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we slowly make room for communion this morning as we, to close our gathering. But I, I've been like reading and learning and getting news from how god is at work around the world in north america and other parts of the world and i something i always notice is a time and a place something i always notice whether it's a prayer movement in new york or a prayer movement in ukraine or a prayer movement in iran or a prayer movement in canada i always notice a time and place there are people that have committed to a time and a place and I'm like, maybe we just can't get around that. And that's what we need to do. Set a time and a place. A couple of weeks ago, I, I shared a, a story about a woman who came to faith after she stole a handbag. And in that handbag, she found a New Testament. Because the, And she found no money, but she found a New Testament and she came to faith. And what she didn't realize is that the Iranian churches, they gather and meet in pockets and small groups... You guys can start when you get a chance. They end up taking a New Testament home every time they gather because they believe that God will give them an opportunity to share the gospel with someone that week. And this woman found it in the handbag that she stole and then later on became a Christian and started being discipled by someone in another country through the Internet and as i I, have been learning more and more about the iranian church and the explosive growth even though there's problems there and there's incredible protests going on right now it's it's sad and we want to pray for that as we did this morning there's an explosion of spiritual and missional growth in that country but as i've been listening i realize that they've been sowing seeds of prayer for 50 years 50 years believers in small groups and pockets and in sometimes in fear have set the time and the place to keep praying for god's work in that country and god's god is doing something amazing there it's one of the places in the world where the church is growing the fastest under the radar with all the obstacles and i believe it was seated and birthed in, in intercession and prayer and, you know, a couple of years ago, Janice, De Pre, is Janice here today? I know she's here today. Oh, yes, I did see her, but maybe... So we were talking a few years ago, and there was a season in our church. I remember after a gathering, she said, Dave, the last few months, something really unique is happening. And this was years ago. And then I remember as she was describing some things and, and celebrating for some things. Is that... Oh, I thought that was my phone. <laughs> um, I remembered... And it did dawned on me because a year earlier, myself and Jonathan Hodges at the time and a few other guys, we would meet every Thursday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. on the steps of Fairview Mall. And we used to pray looking over, trying to see the mountain from there, Point Claire, the West Island, we would pray. And when she described to me, wow, something unique is happening. This was like 18 months later. And then it dawned on me, you know what? We, we've been praying for this. We've been praying for this. Like it wasn't just setting up a program or setting up a potluck, which is all good, but we were praying for this. And it, I just re- realized, oh my gosh, have we stopped praying like that for God to be at work among us? And see, my neighbor, like he's doing something really smart for his grass. He's, he's going to aerate this thing and I'm going to do it too. And if anybody wants to borrow this for your grass, you can just see me and uh, We'll pass it around from week to week. But he's doing something smart. He's going to create these holes. He's going to sow seeds. But he also knows that they're not going to grow for the next six or eight months. They're just going to lie dormant in the ground. And then in the spring, he hopes that through the water and the rain and you know the the melting of the snow that they're going to bloom. Well, that's what we're doing. We're when we pray, we're sowing seeds of renewal now. Regardless, and here, trust me, I'm no I'm no prophet this way. I'm not telling you that in five months we're going to see seeds you're going to come and say, Dave, we're still praying, but we haven't seen what we're praying for. I don't know. I don't know what, exactly how God's going to work this out, but I know we're called to pray. We're called to sow these seeds. So whether the fruit is in five months or five years or 50 years, 48, 98, if I'm still alive at 98, apparently there's many more centurions in Canada. There's 10,000 of them and there's going to be more people that live close to 100. So who knows? Maybe I'll be alive at 98. If ni- Yeah, that is 50 years. If 98... If at 98, I'm still around, and some of you guys still see me, I hope we could say, wow, look what God is up to. We've sowed seeds of prayer for 50 years. I might be in a chair. Maybe I'll have a blanket over my legs because I'm going to feel cold. I don't know why that's that image. Um, (laughs) Maybe I won't hear as well or see as well. I have no idea. But I don't... Let's Like, you know what? If, If we sow seeds for 50 years... If we benefit from it, if others benefit from it, if the city benefits from it, if people that's not us benefit from the fruit, that's not the point. The point is we're called to this, amen? Mm -hmm. And that's my call to you. Let's let's stand as we, we move into a time of just brief prayer and communion for our prayer team today. If you want to get over to the side and be ready as we come to this time of prayer and worship and communion, if you need prayer today, our team is ready for you to pray for you. Uh, just, to, just to bless you and to speak God's blessing over you and to intercede for you. Um, but let's just pause for a moment and bring this to the Lord. Maybe in this next 30 seconds, you will make a decision, a radical commitment to be a contributor and collaborator for a movement of prayer in our church and beyond and trust the Lord for the results. take some time and talk to the Lord, how are you going to respond to this? How are you going to lean into this? Which of those four factors or postures is the Holy Spirit putting a finger on right now in your heart, in your life? Is it surrender or unity? Is it intercession, is it worship? If you're with me on this, if you're with me on this and praying for this and stepping out in this and, and, and inviting the Lord to stretch you in this, seeing the trial and error of it even over the next few months as we, we discover how God leads us, would you just kind of raise your hand as I pray? Not, not to me, but just, as a say, just to say, Lord, I, I want to grow in this, even an inch, even a foot. Holy Spirit, thank you for your conviction. Thank you that we can look at a prayer like this, even though we've looked at it so many times over the years as a church, and maybe many have read this in their personal reading so many times. Thank you that we can read a prayer like this, and you you just beautifully can convict us and lead us to highlight something that we need for the season we're in right now. Thank you for that thank you that you lead us to truth, that you lead us to Jesus, that you lead us to the gospel. But we, while we're thankful for that, God, we pray, we pray, we pray and surrender. We intercede, Lord. We long to, to be strengthened in our inner being. We long to know your love that surpasses knowledge. We long for your fullness. We long for you to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. We long to bring you glory. We pray for this, God. We surrender as well. We just come and, God, we bow before you because we know that we long for you to do something in us that we cannot do in ourselves. So God, would you grow in us a hunger for you, a hunger for the work of your spirit, a hunger to grow in worship? Would you free us to surrender fully to you? Would you help us to see clearly in our discernment so we can keep unity on our radar, maintain the unity that we have in the spirit because of the gospel of peace? God, grow the intercessors in our church. May they lead the way. And may we as a church grow even a bit at a time in intercession. So we just humbly bring this before you, God. May this be our posture. May this be our prayer. And may we not be afraid or get tired of sowing seeds of prayer daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. May we look back one day, whether it's five months or five years or 50 years, and just uh, be amazed at your work. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you, ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.